0: to episode 31 of Sequel Pitch, in which friends, uh, uh, <laughs> a, a, number, a of friends, number of friends, yeah, <laughs> uh, pitch sequels <laughs> to movies that don't have them. I'm your co-host, but also a pitcher today, because unfortunately, Matthias Matt can't be with us. Um, uh, and joining us, as ever, is a man that has more knowledge than Edith. It's Drew Toynbee. Oh, hello there. With him, his spider sense is always tingling. It's Andy Henry. I am strong
1: and sticky. So. Uh,
0: <laughs> and joining us for a third time, and as guest judge, he is the Tony Stark to our group, it's Jordan King. I Yay. am Yay. Iron Man. Yay! Yay! Yay. So, if none of you uh, have heard, there is a little Spider-Man movie coming out very, very soon. It's just a little one called... Yeah, yeah. It's it's really... No one knows about it. It's called Spider-Man No No Way Home. I bet no No. one watched that trailer. Yeah, no (laughs) one's excited about it, to be honest. But we thought at sequel pitch, hey, in celebration of its release, why don't we go back and try to sequelize the 2019 Spider-Man Far From Home directed by John Watts. (laughs) and you know in case you haven't seen it um jordan do you want to do a 60 second synopsis that is around about 60 sec sections nick nax nick sex seconds there we go yes it, i you. can
2: i can do a nick d spinax spinax and synopsis we just it say it with
0: buffering
2: sorry next- right. next- <laughs> next- do it okay. your time starts now <laughs> We open the movie in Mexico. Nick Fury and Maria Hill are investigating an unnatural storm, and then, like a DD and d game, they encounter the Earth Elemental. But then, Quentin Beck, <laughs> a super-powered individual, arrives and defeats the creature. Fury and Hill are like, damn, we can use him in our supergroup. We then cut to New York City. The Midtown School of Science and Technology completes its year and organises a two-week summer field trip to Europe where Peter Parker, who is still sad about Tony Stark, R.I.P., plans to reveal that he fancies his classmate, MJ. All the while, Fury is trying to contact Peter, and Peter's like, go away, man. Parker and his classmates travel to Venice, (laughs) where all of a sudden, a water elemental attacks. Parker helps protect his classmates, rolling a a natural 20 on charisma, Uh, while Beck (laughs) arrives again and defeats the creature. Fury eventually meets with Parker and gives him Stark's glasses. The glasses enable him to communicate with and take command of the artificial intelligence Edith, who is always a natural 20 on intelligence checks, which has access to Stark Industries' databases and commands a large orbital weapons supply. Seems a big gift for a 16-year-old, hmm? Beck claims to hail from an alternate reality within the multiverse where the four elementals killed his family and destroyed his civilization. So sad. With only the fire elemental left to destroy, Beck predicts it will attack Prague, Parker declines Fury's invitation to join the fight and returns to his class trip Fury secretly changes the class's itinerary to divert the students to Prague endangering all the students' lives what a guy Parker is forced to help Beck fight (laughs) the fire elemental to again protect his friends Beck manages to destroy the creature with Parker's help that's a natural 20 for good friends Fury and Hill invite Parker and Beck to Berlin to discuss the formation of a new superhero team, but Parker decides that Beck should go alone and transfers control of Edith to him. That's going to be a natural one on perception for Parker there. (laughs) Once Parker leaves, Beck celebrates alongside ex-Stark Industry employees with whom he has been working to masquerade as a superhero. Beck, who was fired from his position as Stark's holographic illusion specialist for his unstable nature, uses... Advanced projectors to simulate his powers in the elementals, and now hopes to use Edith's orbital weaponized drones to increase the scale of his illusions and fraudulently establish himself as an Avenger-level hero. After MJ tells Parker she knows he is Spider-Man, they discover that a piece of debris she retrieved during the battle with the fire elemental is in fact a projector, which leads them to realize Beck's a deceptive mother... Turns to dust. (laughs) Parker <laughs> travels to Berlin to w- warn Fury, but it's not Fury, it's fake illusionary Fury, and Beck used it to learn who knows about Evil Plan. Parker is left for dead and manages to contact Happy Hogan to take him to where his classmates are in London. Beck uses Edith to orchestrate a fusion of all the elementals as a cover to kill Parker's friends. Parker is able to disrupt the illusion, so Beck attacks him with drones. Parker regains control of Edith and defeats Beck, who is hit by a misfired gunshot from one of the drones. Before he dies, Beck tells one of his associates to retrieve data from the drones, and then he fails all three death saves and is dead for good. (laughs) In a mid-credits scene, J. Jonah Jameson of the DailyBugle.net Broadcast doctored footage of the London incident in which Beck framed Spider-Man for the drone attack and his death, exposing Spider-Man's secret identity to the world, much to Parker's shock. In a post-credits sting, Fury and Hiller reveal to be the Skrulls, Talos and Soran in disguise, under orders from the real Fury while he is away, commanding a Skrull spaceship. So, chaps, what did mm. we think of Spider-Man? Far from Home.
0: I liked the D and D references. That was uh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: they were there, and I thought I'd run with them. So <laughs> that's what you got. Um, when you like think about...
0: like, I like the film. I don't think it's as good for me. It didn't personally hit 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 home weirdly. Hey. Uh, it didn't Even um them. as much as the first one. But I don't like on the second watching. I was just like Jake you know he's a he's a good baddie, but I don't know just didn't uh just didn't grab me did not didn't grab me as much interesting
3: yeah i i kind of it it feels like a film that is less than the sum of its parts. Like I I I really like it, and I have a lot of fun with it. And it's got some really funny lines, and some good performances, and some pretty good action. And and it's good. It's a good film, but it's just there's something not quite there, and I've never been able to put my finger on it with this particular movie. It's it's a funny one.
2: I yeah. think I think for me, it's it sort of fell victim to like in-movie hype for me a little bit when I first saw it at the cinema. I felt so excited by these things that were happening with, you know, Mysterio coming into the fold and, like, Jake Gyllenhaal is my favourite actor, so I was obviously going to be pretty hyped for that. But, like, I think by the time we got to the J. Jonah Jameson mid credit sting, like, I came out of the cinema and I was there like, I think this might be the best Spider-Man film I've ever seen. Yeah. I was on such a, like, hype. Hi- <laughs> I've not been that excited in a cinema and like audibly squealed since Obi-Wan and Anakin threw down on Mustafar in 2005 <laughs> when I was seven years old and it was totally justified to squeal at the cinema. <laughs> but going back to it, yeah, I think Drew, you're kind of on something. It's l- less than the sum of its parts. There's, it's, It's a fun film, but there's just something that I can't quite... I may
1: have the answer... Because mm-hmm. if we think about the best way to describe this movie is a uh, is just a load of fun, like it's really good as well. But just yeah, load. It's a load of fun. It feels a lot longer as well than it is. It's only like two hours, but it does feel a lot longer. For me, the biggest problem, and it kind of only really clocks on, I think near the end, is like Mysterio's grand plan. Like mm. if he if he get if he wins then and he convinces everyone he's you know bigger than avenger but then an avenger level threat does come does he only have the drones to work with basically
3: well i think i think the drones would would appear to be like they've got enough guns and flamethrowers and water cannons yeah they're not i guess and... the tatari like i mean it would still it will still kill stuff but yeah, I do. I do see
1: what you're saying. Like, it's that's it... the biggest thing for me. I think this movie's great. I had a load of fun. I can't like it. it just little nitty bits for me, but the biggest problem for me is yeah, like Mysterio's just grand plan. Like, yeah, like if he actually if he gets away with it and meets the Queen and stuff, it's just like what happens? Yeah, if Red Skull just suddenly comes down and you're just like, well, actually not maybe not Red Skull. He's I don't want to say he's weak <laughs> and piss off people, but he's uh... otherwise
3: indisposed.
0: Yeah, I think I think Andy has. A point about what was his end? Enge- like once he's it, a- one he once he is an advent- Avenger, like, and everyone else is like, yeah, cool, yeah, we we'll get Mysterio. Mm. What do? You- what can you do? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I've got yeah. these glasses. At the these end of, of the day, he was
1: beaten it's- by a punch as well, so it's a bit like again, well, I guess yeah. the bullet,
0: but first the punch, so it's a bit <laughs> like
3: what it is yeah. like the bit where Peter uses one of the like blot like concussion cannons on a drone to shoot himself up through the glass floor of <laughs> tower bridge and mm. then just grabs him and punches him in the face yeah. is fucking rad <laughs> yeah. that moment is so good i that's
0: that it's really great but yeah i i do think you're you've, and you you've can, hit a nail on the head you can see that like tom holland is really settling into the role of peter yeah. parker and like yeah. he's getting back be- like you know. He, how old is Tom Holland? He, he's twenty-five now, yeah. so he would have yeah. been like twenty-two when they
3: shot this, I guess. And you can, t-
0: and, and again, like everything, like when you start doing these big motion pictures and you start, um, and you get older working in them, you start to get better at acting in terms of like you know, just being around in that environment, and you can tell that he's getting much better and and more confident in the role as well, which is really good they to see. They better not kill him
1: off. He's got at least another three movies. Nah, he better knock them. They, even though well, I want them. like My, uh, Miles Morales to come in, it'd be interesting. But Yeah, as I say, like I do like Tom Holland. I think that. Sorry, sorry,
3: Jordan. No, 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 you go.
2: No, I was just gonna say. I think. I think as well. Actually, on the point of like with with um, Quentin Beck, the kind of like the where where does the escalation actually go if he gets what he wants? I think that also like plays a, a sort of counterpoint to what is maybe my big issue with the film which is that spider-man homecoming is such a great introduction for spider-man into the mcu properly because it establishes him as the local friendly neighborhood spider-man which is what made him and continues to make him my favorite superhero in all of comic books like I love the fact that you know he's a New Yorker, loves his city. In each of the like Spider-Man series, you get like uh, with the Sony films, you get Tobey Maguire being like passed down the down the train. Uh, you get the bit, even in Amazing Spider-Man, which gets like quite a bad rap. The the bit with the cranes, I really really like that when he when all of the the crane operators like. Yeah, set up. Yeah. Him, like, I mean, it's, it's implausible. It's stupid, yeah, it's but, bonkers, <laughs> but, but it's it's, it's, it's but, lovely. But it is that thing of like he's our hero. And I think with Far From Home, all of a sudden you go from establishing this, like, sort of teenage Peter Parker with his very, like, high schooly problems, which they do keep to an extent with Far From Home, but all of a sudden you go from, like, 0 to 100 and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going all around Europe here. We've got these, like, big, massive pyrotechnical effects work and all that kind of thing. And, like, you find yourself trying to hold on to the moments where things are quieter still and you can still see him as a... As a kid, figuring things out, and sometimes it feels like the spectacle actually detracts from the character in the story. If that makes yeah. sense, That's yeah. It. I think,
0: yeah. yeah, I think maybe they they could have done another movie in New York, maybe before they they did this movie, because mm-hmm. you know you, they've only had one film where they, they that he, well he only really was spider-man near the second half of the film in um homecoming Homecoming. um so maybe that was maybe that's the reason maybe like you know you we we would have liked to have seen more of him in new york and then had the establishment of him going out going you know to europe and you're going oh going on a road trip you know that sort of thing can we talk
3: about jordan's favorite actor he's one of my favorite actors as well but jake yeah. gillenall in this film
1: he is he's good is i like, like him he's, he's very good.
3: really
0: good and like, yeah
3: the fact that obviously for anyone who grew up watching watching the cartoon in the 90s or reading the comics you know that mysterio i nearly called him ray mysterio and that's a wrestler <laughs> and i i, I always nearly girl? do that <laughs> But you know Quentin Beck is a baddie, and that he is all about illusion and and faking things. Mm. But Jake Gyllenhaal is so goddamn charismatic that he shows up, and you're like, maybe they have just reinvented him. Yeah, and and the fact that they have the meta thing of where he has the speech and says this this warrior from another world from another dimension <laughs> fighting elementals is absolutely crazy but it's exactly what everyone will believe right now and like I yeah. believed it I yeah. was there in the audience like oh my god they're doing the multiverse it's <laughs> happening guys and then yeah. it wasn't and oh it's, yeah just it's
2: it's such a clever bit of casting though isn't it because like you're you're casting a guy that is literally like a charisma cannon like <laughs> you're casting, you're casting someone that like if you ask him to, if you ask him to play someone that can convince you that every single word he says is true, like Jake Gyllenhaal has that in abundance. Yeah. And he does um, look
1: like uh, Tony when he puts the glasses on. Yeah, so well done. They they made him look like basically Tony with a big
2: beard. Also, uh- like it's just such a fun scene, like where his whole charade is like. Revealed, and like everything, like ripples away. All of the like tech effects Mm -hmm. ripple away, and it's like it's such a good like. I don't know. It's a reminder of the spirit of some of the like more campy earlier Spider-Man comics. Like Mysterio is a very can be a very camp character, and I think that Gyllenhaal really leans into that for the like sort of the the like ooh I'm a baddie reveal.
0: I think it, it they did a much better job than they did with the Mandarin, didn't they? Like, um, <laughs> uh, and that reveal and how like, I think mm-hmm. they kind of learned from that whole like double bluffing the audience thing, you know. With uh, Drew looks like he's gonna say, "I really like Ben Kingsley." Yeah, I, I love. Oh, I, I, I,
3: I love that off. reveal.
0: <laughs> I absolutely loved it.
3: I, I ever thrown you my so popcorn much.
1: down. It was the only time I've ever done that. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I,
3: I thought it was... I, I had I had no... Absolutely no emotional attachment whatsoever to Iron Man as a character before the MCU. And so, like, I was just fully along for the ride. And it was so Shane Black. It was so <laughs> Shane Black. I was like, why would I have expected anything different? This is perfect. And then the <laughs> film carried on. But anyway, we're not talking about Trevor. Well, we yeah, are. This is true. Uh, I, th-
1: uh, I think I might have... have uh another reason the film just feels a little off i know they mentioned it basically in the whole film is about this his spider is peter tinkle
3: i was about yeah
1: yeah because basically if he had his spider tinkle it would have been over the first you know first 10 minutes basically um and there's so many like when he walks out of that bar and everyone basically basically except for a few people are holograms how off is his peter tinkle that he doesn't just go you know, this doesn't just... You know, Phil is a little weird in here. He's just completely comfortable and it's just like... That's that's the whole... You know, that's the whole point of the film when he gets... like that end scene when he's going down the tower and he takes out all the fucking drones...
2: Great. Uh, there is there is a very simple explanation for that and that is that his mind has been totally consumed by Zendaya which I think is a completely understandable a completely understandable reason for yeah. any character they very in cute any together. Film. they make a good couple.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like I remember being 16 and and there being times where I didn't get a huge amount done in my like <laughs> educational or personal life because I was
0: because I fancied a girl. <laughs> Exactly, and so, you get yeah. more of the friendship between I can't remember his name now. Ned, 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 Ned Jacob, and that's yeah, that,
1: that's Ned and, and Betty. They, Ned and Betty was funny though. That little spinoff, yeah, I didn't yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> that that
3: moment when they land in Europe and-, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's become the wise, the wise like yeah, yeah. and and when yeah, he yeah. just he's just like oh that. That the, the man who left America was a boy. And that boy met a woman. And it's just
2: it's so it's so yeah.
3: beautifully cringe. Mm. I wonder the what to- comedy in this is f- really good. Yeah, yeah I yeah.
2: feel yeah. like that's something that we can probably all agree on, is that in terms oh, of yeah. like the dynamic with Tom Holland Zendaya, and Jacob on, like Yeah. They're like no matter, no matter what quibbles you have with like the bigger story at play, yeah. like you just believe in them as friends. Like you wish that you were yeah. in high school hanging out with them because they're just such a. Yeah. I love, I love MJ's morbid facts as well. Like <laughs> I like how she yeah. just yeah. dampens the tone everywhere they so go with them. Really well, that, dark. My two, my two. Facts.
1: I love, I love those three. But my two favorite act characters in the film are the two teachers. When Peter sits next to Martin Starr on, on the plane, and Martin Starr talks about his and, wife, and kind his of wife like, blip back and then pretended she was dead and he had a whole funeral and stuff and he's like, oh, do you want to see the video as well? It's just... (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy, though. I think that's... I think,
0: like, the script is just great, isn't it? Like, the dialogue between them all and, yeah, I think the the character relationships as well. Even the actors, like, Jake Gyllenhaal and... Or Gyllenhaal, if whatever, however you pronounce it, Gyllenhaal, <laughs> Gyllenhaal, um, and Tom Holland, like them together as well. When you watch them in the making ofs and stuff, and behind the scenes, they they just hit off each other yeah. really, really when well. When they did
3: interviews to get on the press yeah, circuit, yeah. I that yeah. was ringing a bell that they just yeah. had a really good time. It it is a shame that he's that Gyllenhaal's not, not going to be back.
1: Yeah, I don't or like when they he? kill off villains i like the idea of them being like either in prison or just somewhere they've escaped or something but well maybe one pitch might have you never know you never know who
0: knows who knows we
1: talk about the biggest villain as well brad although i do love brad what a great (laughs) character when he gives him the finger in the in the theater and i was like yeah you go brad (laughs) yeah man all's
3: all's fair in love and war and to be fair he did walk into a pub
2: a, a bar with Peter just in his boxes with a yeah. random woman, like. we, yeah. Uh, but can we can we also just say that like how sweet is Peter and MJ's first kiss? Like when it does eventually yeah. arrive, like yeah. you've been waiting the whole film for them to just like you know get it together and just like just just have that that really tender first kiss. And like I don't know, the, there was something about it that it's a it little brought,
1: awkward at first, which is which is quite cute. Yeah, yeah, but
2: like it brings everything back down to the level of like. It almost feels like a return to the the vibe of homecoming in that sense, where like after this whole entire like globe spanning adventure, like it just comes back down to teenage kids that are figuring out feelings and stuff, and they just have this like kiss. It was really yeah, and like
3: and it's a nice counterpoint to because I think there's it's interesting that um, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone became a a real life couple after they played. Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker and now by all accounts it appears yeah. that Tom Holland and Zendaya are a real life couple as well although it's not like official official a while ago. But... but it's it's a lovely counterpoint because for me the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films the highlight of those films is the chemistry between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield
2: absolutely but yeah.
3: it's 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 very much two people in their late to mid twenties who are both incredible at flirting, having good chemistry where Mm. this is two people who are believably 15 to 17 years old, having really awkward teenage flirting. And it's, Mm. it feels, it feels just as truthful, but it feels more fitting for a teenage character who is still in school. And it's, it's, it's bringing out all of those feelings of, yeah, this is a John Hughes movie, where they're on a summer vacation in Europe, and they're school kids, and it's, yeah. and it's, an aspect of Peter Parker that was base effectively ignored by the two other previous live action incarnations thus far.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah,
1: I, I think. Like, go on. I like, go on. No, 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 go, go, go. No, George. you go, you go, you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll go. Um... <laughs> um
0: <laughs> yeah i think that's good i think that's a good a good point uh that drew said i think it i think it i think the other ones you know they go hell for leather you know with all the action and stuff and they they forget to take their time with the character of Peter parker and building building the character up and the relationships he has with m j as well um and I think that really helps the movie in, in this one um, because it can just take its time. Yes, it's like a bit weird that it's set on a road trip, but also maybe, you know, that works and maybe that works and building like the characters' mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. relationships t- together and then putting a little bit of action in it with the fighting in the different places with Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: I think the they, they use the benefit of them being abroad quite well in the sense that they keep them apart, like i in separate rooms and stuff but they always want to sit next to each other but they you know somehow don't um mm. so i yeah i quite i say like i i didn't mind i didn't miss it not being in new york it did it kind of didn't feel so spy um being um but i didn't mind so much that it went around the world there's also <clears throat> i i thought it
3: dealt quite nicely with again the age-old question in the mcu of why didn't they get so and so to come and help <laughs> yeah yeah that's, and that's, that good. i did like the fact that a they were constantly moving so they weren't they weren't on the like home turf of any other superheroes that we that we already know yeah. plus cap is gone tony's gone like but he couldn't. Guys. He
1: couldn't get any Avengers anyway because he was a scroll. So,
3: well, and that. But that's yeah. the whole point. Like they, they kind of explain it away enough I during the film, yeah. and then at the end when they make <laughs> that reveal, the the reason for that reveal. I'm. We're still waiting to find out why on earth they decided to do that because I, yeah. it adds nothing to this <laughs> yeah. film. We just. Yeah. He. But, know,
1: we know he's in space. He's building up sword. I think that's the the thing <clears throat> for it, isn't it? That's. But yeah, and that's great. But, but, fucking but
3: why just show he, it yeah, it's he didn't been really it's show... been
1: two years it's been two years
3: where is Nick Fury and what is he doing
2: <laughs> but filling up in space like freaking... but whilst whilst we have one in constant well currently inconsequential post credit scene we did get oh. a very
1: very oh. consequential oh I cheered in the cinema when this guy came back on honestly <laughs> hey, the whole cinema erupted yeah. Oh, yeah, it that was a
3: good moment. It, the
1: only way he could be better if he had his buzz cut. But I get like he's, he's aging and <laughs> stuff now. But oh, I was so happy, so happy he's back.
2: I I had to I had to like I went to watch the film with uh, my fiance Lucy, her brother, and her uncle, and like the second that I saw J.K. Simmons. I was like, I was like, all of them. I was like, "Do you know what this means? Do you know what this means?
0: Do you know who he is?" Yes. <laughs> they're all
2: there, like, "Calm down, it's just a news report." What's he trying to tell us? <laughs> yeah, um, I very much like- lost my shit.
3: Yeah, I get why people found it confusing, especially since like. The film has spent the whole movie being like, Oh, the multiverse is real. Oh no, it's not, it's fake. And then they brought in an actor oh, yeah, from another. An el- yeah. And so I get why yeah. some people were like, hang on, no, this is too confusing, cast someone else, but he is he's just so he perfectly <laughs> yeah. the embodiment of of that character. Just it was such a good moment. And obviously it leads to a ginormous like the biggest
1: cliffhanger that mm. there could be for a spider-man movie i think it was bigger than the snap as well i think wasn't it for me it was because i knew you know we knew all the people that basically yeah. they were coming back
3: well so. yeah like and we yeah we all knew the snap was gonna happen mm. at the end of that there was no there was never any question that thanos wasn't gonna snap his fingers at the end of the movie yeah but i had no idea i i yeah. i was yeah. so unprepared for that to be the end of the movie, and for and for the consequences oh. of everything that Peter did that summer to, to hit him like that. Yeah. It's, it's such a bold choice. I
2: mean, you would you would hate to hypothetically be say three people doing a podcast <laughs> where they have to come up with a sequel, perhaps to that cliffhanger. <laughs> it's not an enviable I task, mean, but
3: it does at least give. It does at least give a clear direction that you've got to take some of the story. Like in some, it's nice going into right trying to come up with a sequel, having one through line for the story to take yeah, in some you, direction, you, rather than Knives Out Two, for example, where it's just like, "Hey, whatever
2: <laughs> you fucking want." <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't start Spider Man Three in this trilogy going like. Oh, yeah, so that happened, but anyway, let's Everyone's forget cool that. Everyone's cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, do you know what? Everyone was fine with it, mate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's time that we give our final thoughts and scores out of five. Um, let's go with Drew first. Okay, my final thoughts. Uh,
3: oh, God, it's a really, really difficult one because the, as we've talked about it, there are negatives about this film there are things that don't quite make sense it does feel a little bit off kilter although is that the intention in the first half because mysterio is lying and so are we meant to feel like something's a bit off and not quite right like there are so many questions but talking about this film with you guys has reinforced how much i really like it um it's not perfect, but, but you know what? I think I'm gonna give it four. Flash asking his driver whether mother could make it at the end of the movie out of five. It's it's a it is a it's not the best Spider-Man movie, but it is still very solid.
0: Yeah, four out of five. Jordan, go on.
2: It's an it's an enjoyable film, and I I will always enjoy returning to it. I think the characters are just there's too much to them and too much in the way that they're written for it to not just be fun to spend time with them. Um, And the spirit of adventure with it being that, like, sort of road trip through Europe definitely powers you through some of the more logistically questionable narrative turns. Um, But, yeah, I think I would... I would maybe be a little bit harsher than Drew, which I I didn't expect, because I'm usually the guy that's there like, oh, five stars, five stars for everything. (laughs) But um, I would give this three and a half inexplicable Night Monkey appearances (laughs) out of five.
1: (laughs) Oh, the Night Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Night Monkey. Yeah, I I really like this film. I just think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, some things wrong with it, but I think that you can gloss over them. I think it's just props for Marvel or whoever we know really pushed the idea of this like unknown. Not I don't know, I don't know if unknown is the right word, but like this villain that ha- we haven't seen before. It's not we you know it's not the Green Goblin again. It's not Doc o- It's this whole new villain. And yeah, and to go the whole two hours and have him a- be a fraud at the end and have a great fucking film like fair play. Props to that. Like um, yeah, no, I think it's really. I will give it four and a quarter Brad fingers out of out of five because I yeah <laughs> I really like it.
0: I'm going to echo what uh, all of you have said because you know why not just uh, cut, <laughs> ride on your coattails. Uh, I don't think it's as good as the first one. I still like it. I still think it's a really good movie. Uh, I am going to give it uh, three point nine fake uh, furies. Uh, transferring a, a load of kids into uh, intimate danger, out of fives. <laughs> that is, um, so,
1: that is <laughs> bigger picture, I guess. Fury, bigger picture. <laughs> so that
3: brings Spider-Man: Far From Home in at three point nine one out of five, yeah. uh, putting it in just below the likes of Step Brothers, Star Is Born and game night and willy wonka and just above signs and harry potter and the deathly hallows part
0: two i think it's time you lovely people and me uh (laughs) to get our sequels pitched you have to pitch your sequels to the lovely jordan who will be making his decision after we have finished Uh, He might have some questions for you uh, and me as well. Um, certainly might. Yeah. So,
2: Jordan, who do you want to go first? I would like to hear from. Let's go with Andy first. Because it's alphabetically first.
1: Fair Mm -hmm. enough. Fair Mm. enough. Get the best out of the way first. I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Right.
3: I think oh, you've got, got my notes taking get... fingers <laughs> at the ready. Well, everyone's ready yeah. now,
1: yeah. Okay, so mine... oh, I haven't met my little one liner. Um, mine is Spider Man three: A Different Home. Um, Spider Man has and his friends have to save another universe. That's that's the one liner. Um, okay, I didn't come up with them. I forgot one. It, st- it starts where we left off. Everyone notices Spider-Man and starts taking pictures of him and some people try to like bring him down like maybe like, try to throw stuff up uh, at him and a mob mentality kind of kicks in. Peter swings home uh, and MJ and Ned are there and there's a big panic. What are we going to do? Aunt May enters and there's cops outside. They take uh, Peter, MJ and Ned away and question them about Mysterio's death. Suddenly, everyone freezes. Peter, MJ and Ned walk outside and all of New York is frozen. The people, the billboards, everything. Suddenly... A tear in reality appears, and the three are sucked in. They land, and they meet Norman Osborn, played by Pierce Brosnan, and Reed Richards, played by John Krasinski, who say they're from a different universe and they need their help. Their dystopian uh, dystopian world is run by a corrupt government led by President Trask, and their city is overrun by supervillains known as the Sinister Six. Um, Doc Ock, played by Brian Cranston, Electro, Voltra, Voltra, Vulture uh, Mysterio, Sandman, and the Lizard. We learn Norman used to be in the Six, so he knows a lot of intel about them. Reed goes on to talk about how the Six have killed all the other heroes uh, in that universe, and they list off She-Hulk, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Man. Uh, all except one, and we see that universe's Spider-Man swing in. His name is Kane, played by Timothy Chalamet. Is it Chamolais? Chalamet? Chalamet. Chalamet, Ch- Yeah. Uh, and we learn he's the opposite of Peter. He's arrogant and rude, but also his spider bite took on a different mutation to Peter's, and he's meant to be quite like physically frightening. So his uh, Kane's face is scarred, and he has two extra arms and two extra legs. His spider bite only happened a month ago, so sometimes he has different reactions, uh, and these could be mu- different mutations that happen on his body, or sometimes he's just uh, you know in, covo- in convulsions or in pain. Reed tells the gang that he and Norman knew about the multiverse, but he, they couldn't find a way to open it. Then, suddenly, a tear happened and an, uh, a tear happened in reality, and they managed to use that, and science, to pull Peter and his friends uh, into their universe. And we would later learn it's events that happened because of division and Loki. Uh, Norman says um, if they help their city, they uh, he can send them back. Spider-Man and Kane try to take the six down, but things don't go well when Kane fucks up, leading to some innocent people getting hurt, or maybe MJ. Uh, Peter and Kane fight and Peter tells, uh, tries to explain that saving people is the number one job of a hero. Kane scuffs and we learn that Kane wants all the power but none of the responsibility that comes with the mask. Kane deserts the heroes. At the Sinister Six hideout, Doc Ock wonders where this new Spider-Man came from. And he looks on his science machine and realises a huge power surge came from Oscorp. He goes to see an old friend. Doc Ock visits Norman uh, at Oscorp and Doc uh, condemns Norman for, uh, for, uh, for betraying the Six. They have a deep old friend conversation about right and wrong, as we learn Norman betrayed the Six after something they did caused the death of his son, Harry. Now, he and Reed may be the only things that can stop the Six and save the city. They have a small fight, but not really because obviously uh, it's a man against an octopus. But Norman tries to open a secret room, he hits a button, and before he can go in, he gets stabbed through the chest by a tentacle. Doc Ock finds Norman's notes on the multiverse and the tear. As Doc Ock was out... Uh, Cain finds the Six's lair and tells the Six he's not a hero and he wants to join them. The Five just miss him and try to throw Kane out, but Cain finishes mutating. His arms and legs combine, so he, instead of having eight limbs he has two incredibly strong arms and two incredibly strong legs. He starts growing in size and he rips off his costume and we see his scarred skin start turning black. He stands up, now twice as tall and strong as the other Five and says, Cain is dead! Long live Venom! Uh, And I'm undecided if I want Venom to kill the Lizard here just to show his strength um, or not, uh, because it would kind of break up the Sinister Six. But, you know, he probably will kill someone anyway. Um, He declares himself the new leader and no one obviously challenges him. Doc Ock returns and tries to stand up to Venom, but almost dies in a confrontation. The new Six leave Doc Ock for dead and head to Oscorp to kill Reed, Peter and the others. Doc goes back to his hideout and decides he wants to go to the, uh, the MCU Prime timeline and rule it. Uh, He starts to build a bomb to threaten the world with. He looks around his hideout and sees an Iron Man suit. He uses one tentacle to pick up the suit and another tentacle to rip the suit's head off. A third tentacle comes in and scoops the head out of that universe's Tony Stark and throws it aside. Doc uh, Doc Ock starts to use the Iron Man tech to build his bomb. The new six start to rampage through the city and Reed sees Spider-Man is too weak to fight them alone. Reed admits to Peter that he knows some people that may help, but they haven't spoken in a long time. They have a lot of history. Uh, They go to visit a hideout on the edge of town, and that's where we meet Sue Storm, played by Emily Blunt, uh, Johnny Storm, Zac Efron and Ben Grimm, CGI, but will be voiced by Matt Cameo-Damon. They've been hiding from the government and the villains, and basically have just given up on the fight. Reed and uh, Peter manage to give them a rousing superhero speech, and they all agree to fight again. As Doc finishes his bomb, he comes across something that he and Norman worked on before they had their accident and became bad people. Uh, a ghost of Norman appears and Doc wrestles with his plan. Eventually Norman convinces Doc to use the bomb on the Six. Uh, and if we don't want to go down the redemption route, Doc Oc is just crazy and vengeful, so he could just have the idea to just blow up the Six anyway, and Gorman's, uh, Norman's ghost could not actually never be there. Uh, there's a big fight with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man versus the Six at Odds Corp. The Fantastic Four holds off five of them uh, while Spider-Man and Venom fight. Doc Ock enters, uh, hits Venom, and Spider-Man thinks he's on his side, but then Doc Ock just hates all Spider-Man, and he's crazy, so he hits Spider-Man as well. Spider-Man sees the bomb, basically recognises it, and radios or earpieces to MJ and Ned to, to open the tear in reality. And when everyone is ready, they can jump through, and Peter can web uh, the bomb, setting it off. Spider-Man, Venom, and Doc Ock fight. In Oscorp, as MJ works on the tear, Ned sees Peter nearly die in the fight. He sees the secret room Norman opened earlier and finds the green goblin layer. Ned gets all excited, thinking he can help Peter, and opens a gas canister and is sprayed with green g- gas. He starts to freak out, but then it passes and he calms down. He puts on the goblin suit and then joins the fight to help Peter. And he mainly uses himself as a distraction and he throws bombs. Um, you know, He can have maybe a couple of funny, how did I manage this flying moments? But he's, he doesn't actually get like physically in the fight, obviously, because he's not proper yet. Uh, The bomb is triggered and Peter knows there's only moments left. Um, If we want to go down the Doc Ock redemption route, then he can help here. Otherwise, the building collapses and all the villains and the bomb fall as Spider-Man jumps through the tear and webs MJ, Ned and the Fantastic Four, bringing them all home safely. The Fantastic Four are happy to have their new life and they say they may even keep the superhero thing up. Peter uh, Peter, uh, looks around and the whole world is still frozen. And he asks Reed how uh, he managed to freeze time. Reed says he has nothing to do with that. And we hear someone from behind them say, that was me. And everyone turns around and we see Professor Charles Xavier and standing behind him are a few different X-Men. <laughs> Peter says, oh, does your world need saving now? And Charles says, no, but yours does. And we cut to black. And we have an end credit scene with Ned, As Ned, uh, like I can imagine, probably in the bathroom in front of a mirror, just reacting badly to the gases now, starting to kick in. He can hear voices. He's starting to remember Kane and the mutation and like the frightening, scary view. And he might like confuse that with Spider-Man and stuff. It's basically
2: him becoming a hobgoblin. Mm. Nice. That was a, a mic drop and a half of a <laughs> of a post credit scene. <laughs> I've got a few questions about your like specific pitch, but a question that I'm going to pose to everyone's is that because obviously this is the third film in a trilogy, so like the idea that this is going to be the ending of something, the completion of an arc. What does your third film offer fans and uh Peter Parker's stories specifically to satisfyingly close out this trilogy? Um I think it's
1: a big blockbusting end of a third trilogy, which you which you want. Um it's got a lot of a lot of new a lot of new characters. I was trying to get like an endgame feel, just big, huge. Um Yeah, and I think it just I think it just works in the in the character's favour and stuff. It helps Peter show who he wants to help. Um it doesn't really show it much because it's kind of superhero based, but NJ and Ned will kind of um kind of show they're not just useless standalones and stuff, like Ned maybe the guy in the chair at the start again. Um But yeah, I think a good, satisfying
2: just end of the uh, end of a trilogy. Cool. Um I one thing I was gonna ask is you obviously make the decision to sort of go in with the multiverse stuff. Um and you you bring in new villains, but not the familiar faces that we attach to some of them. So with like Doc Arc, you've got Brian Cranston. Um so I was wondering like what influenced the decision to like go into the multiverse but introduce the villains as entirely new villains from different universes. Um I wanted to go into the
1: multiverse. Um I really wanted all this to happen in the prime MCU timeline. But I didn't want it to kind of have a a, a tear in reality and come over because that's like too similar to Spider-Verse. I'm aware there's kind of some similarities, but it's too yeah. so I I was like, I have to, you know, he has to go through into the multiverse and stuff and, and show this. Um what was the second bit of your question? Um
2: Not so yet. it was just it was just about the decision to no. all oh, the different characters, yeah.
1: Um, I don't know, I don't know, really. I was definitely, I wanted to stay away again us from any, anything. What we all try to do is try to stay away as far we can, what we know from the trailer, or, what, what we might have read, and rumors and stuff like that. So, I try yeah. to stay away, uh, consciously just from the casting. I didn't want to bring on uh, as much as Alfred, uh, uh Marina um, Molina is great. Um, yeah, I just I wanted a, a new face, a new, it's a, it's just a new multiverse. Um, yeah, yeah and if I just if, just a, just a, a different a, just a different reason okay. to have them, I guess.
2: And to to do the the dickish thing that you you're told not to do it, like mm-hmm. university seminars. Of this is more of a comment than a question. Um, <laughs> with with Professor X turning up at the end, he can't freeze time. He does in the second X Men. He he can he can alter individuals' perception of time. Well, maybe so he's not frozen can...
1: time. Maybe he's just. Frozen people frozen stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I just so, I just wanted the uh, idea the idea of of him of the three MJ Peter and Ned walking out into say like Times Square and everything being frozen, including yeah. the billboards. Yeah. Everything it was just a bit uh, in my it, that just came to my head first of all rather than just the people. So I would to imagine everything just froze. I, just. I
2: needed I needed to find a net <laughs> that I could pick, and that was the net that I managed to attach myself <laughs> onto. <laughs> Um, he had
0: bernard's watch he had bernard's watch he, yeah, he had
2: bernard's point. watch tucked <laughs> away um, oh, sequel pitch. but but yeah i i did have a question about um where pete and mj's relationship is at here just because it it doesn't come up much in the pitch but i imagine that might have just been a trying to keep the page countdown on the
1: yeah i was already running pitch. a bit long and again like what i said with like mj and ned's character like it's very superhero pitched um and so you i did want... that's why i was like oh maybe mj gets hurt because, and that you know that's why peter is more upset with kane uh, at the start but that's kind of a cheap way of, you know and she you know she wasn't going to be injured hurt for the rest of the film um yeah. so yeah i so say it doesn't build so much on like the, they they not go to the next stage of
2: their relationship but um yeah it's that's it's, an, it's no, that's, that's understandable you, you committed to the to the like spectacular yeah. Third, third act. Um, that is, that is the the questions that I had written down. I didn't have that many questions. I'll, I'll be honest you. with you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed them. <laughs> um, I would next, however, uh, like to kindly ask Mister Drew Toynbee to okay. offer up his <clears throat> his pitch for Spider Man Three. Okay. Um, my. Pitch is
3: titled. uh, I've been. I've left it right to the wire to decide this because I wrote down a few. Spider-Man
2: Far From Home sequel. Yes, (laughs) the Um, movie. Well,
3: Spider-Man, Spider-Man Close to Home. Um, and the tag is: Peter Parker finds his world taking a darker, more difficult turn as shadowy forces try to turn the whole world against him, putting the people he cares about most in the crosshairs. So, the movie that uh, Jordan just to warn you, there's I've I have added bits and shifted something kind of fairly significant around. It will become oh, clear. For God
2: but it's, it's, oh, for God's It's but it's it oh, doesn't anything
1: after time. I but see. It it but, <laughs>
2: but it's okay because you pre-prepped me for this, and so my questions will make total sense. Well, <laughs>
3: we'll yeah, we'll. It's it's not changed loads, but. It, you'll see. You will. You will see.
2: Um, I will keep so this in mind in my judgments, Mister. That is entirely fair. But I was <laughs> Make, struck making with inspiration this notes
3: as well. For me, <laughs> we we have we have played it. Yeah. People have come up with ideas on the go. Anyway, yeah. so the movie picks up immediately after the end of the previous film. Um, Peter fairly quickly gets picked up by the cops. Um, he's inundated with offers, like ambulance chasing lawyers being like, "Let us let us represent you," because it's going to be huge press. Um, and Matt Mur murdoch charlie cox's matt murdoch shows up and gives him a card for nelson and murdoch um but at, at that moment when peter's about to take it because murdoch is like oh you know we'll do it pro bono we we do a lot of pro bono work happy bursts in with stark tech's entire legal division and he's like no we're taking this and like all of the other lawyers get pushed out and frankly they they fairly easily manage to deal with like the 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 criminal charges against him like peter's got the edith glasses and he can show direct footage from the servers that show exactly what was happening and and that the doctored footage was fake um also it happened on foreign soil although i'm pretty sure the us does have extradition to the uk but regardless that's all gets sorted out and also for his actions in America and in New York, the lawyers are really good. And so they really easily just turn around to the judge and go, No, he's just performing citizens' arrests. Like, what do you, no, that's not illegal. And so he actually deals with that relatively quickly. And it's kind of, it's set, it, I, I would have it be set up to be, it looks like it's going to be this huge legal drama. And then they bang the gavel and it's all been sort of cleared up. And he's walking out of the courthouse looking a bit bemused. But regardless, J. Jonah Jameson is really pushing the message that he's a killer and that he's bad and that he's a menace. Um, And we see snippets of people around the city being turned against Peter, um, including uh, a teenage boy, the son of two sort of wealthy people in the city. And tension starts to build as you see people meeting in bars and talking online and they start taking on the name the Spider Slayers. And then you sort of have the, the music break and you get Peter kind of montage um trying to have a normal life and be a hero but there's more tension and sort of more risk going on um the the people calling themselves the spider slayers keep showing up and interfering with peter and people close to him like mj ned flash all the people in his class Aunt not are being harassed by these people and by the press um flash starts a spider-man fan club um because he's like desperate he the the shtick of him like calling Peter a penis and then like trying to build up Spider-Man's fan club. Like he he can't quite reconcile that this person that he really can't stand is Spider-Man and so he refuses to acknowledge that it's Peter. But anyway, that was just a silly idea that I had. Um <laughs> Uh, May sort of is getting stalked by people and it's all sort of really tense Peter keeps going out trying to be a hero and trying to save people but people keep accosting him and eventually the spider slayers set a trap for Peter um, and they all sort of mob him they're trying to hold him down and it starts to get a bit grim and Peter realises that uh, someone's being crushed like being trampled underfoot and Peter like throws people out of the way he injures a couple of people trying to save this kid but he can't save him and it turns out it's the kid from the beginning whose name is Alistair Smythe. Um and we see his two parents, Spencer, and I couldn't find um his mother's name, so I'm going to call her Susan. Spencer and Susan Smythe mourning. And it looks like it's affecting them quite badly. Um obviously, of course, as if, as if they'd be like, ah, oh, it's fine. Our son is dead, <laughs> it's fine. Um Peter then start decides that they need to look into the spider slayers more and him and MJ and Ned start looking into it. And they realise that the crossover between people who are like diehard fans of J Jonah Jameson's bugle podcast is like one-to-one. And they kind of realise they find the origins of it all in these forums where they come up with the name and spread the ideology. And it's all come from J Jonah Jameson. Um, Peter and everyone, like, they they start struggling more. His relationship with MJ gets a bit fractious. Ned and May are all getting frustrated and scared. His grades are slipping. He's skipping school. He's avoiding everyone. Eventually, he has a huge sit-down with May about Uncle Ben, who hasn't been referenced yet. And they both have this huge talk about the anger and guilt that they have. They both carry guilt, but they're both angry at the other one for not doing more and... And Peter's angry that May let him go out. And May's angry that she knows Peter's a superhero and could have helped and all of this kind of stuff. But it all resolves. And they actually they have that conversation. And May says that Ben would have been really proud of him. Um, And that spurs Peter on to be brave and accept an invitation from J. Jonah Jameson to appear on the podcast and explain himself in front of a live audience. Um, MJ and Ned go as his guests and they decide they're going to sneak in and try and like snoop on JJ and and find out why he's so against Peter. They go and Ned and MJ find out that he's being bankrolled by Wilson Fisk. They find communications from Wilson Fisk lawyer and he's the oh, only no. person that they represent. Um, but then right as Peter is passionately defending himself, the panel is attacked by Susan Smythe. She's gone mad. And built the Spider Slayer machines, and she's killed her husband Spencer, who tried to stop her. There's huge damage. J Jonah Jameson's wife is killed in the like in the fighting in the chaos, and then the Slayers start chasing Peter all over the city. He's trying to draw the fight away from innocents, but he's getting battered. The Slayers start targeting innocent people to try and draw him out, and they and and the the fight's going really badly. He's going all over Manhattan. He's on his last legs, and he lands in Clinton also known as Hell's Kitchen, and who steps out of the shadows to help him but Matt Murdock in his black daredevil mask. Um, Matt talks to him quickly and sort of squirrels him away and looks at his wounds. It's like they they have a big talk about defending the city and it taking sacrifices and... You ha- and having to choose between what you care about and being a hero. And then eventually they decide to work together and fight. Matt and Peter start to turn the tide, but it's not quite enough. Matt stays behind to hold off the Slayers to give Peter a final chance to trace the signal that they're being controlled by and find Susan Smythe. MJ and May have been following in a stolen car. There's funny, awkward stuff. Like, you, you need some of the comedy of... Um, MJ being the new girlfriend and May and it's really awkward and like trying not to talk about them being a couple but all bring it up and stuff Um, they've been following Peter makes it to Susan Smythe and she's got a, a Slayer suit and he's trying to talk her down but she nearly kills him and then May and MJ arrive and May has the big speech that talks her down and like she's experienced loss and she understands and she knows where this is all coming from but you can't do this he's just a kid look at him he's etc etc and she stops and may saves the day um susan smythe is arrested peter and mj are able to reveal kingpin's bankrolling of jj so jj pulls back but he still hates spider-man the slayers are branded domestic terrorists and and the groups are disbanded and peter realizes he's never going to have a normal life and says he's going to leave new york and distance himself from may and mj and all his friends but they say that it's worth the risk that he's too important to the city and to them and they they will accept that risk because they want him in their life. Um, but Peter does say at the end of the film, he needs a job. Um, the movie ends with Fisk still in jail, Matt Murdock nearly throwing away the black mask, but putting it in his wardrobe. Um, Peter, MJ and Ned at school with their friends and Peter, um, the lunch bell goes and fire trucks go past. And Peter like f- flies out the window and the teachers are like, yeah, yeah, go, 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 but be back in time for physics. Um, And then mid credit scene, Happy and May have gone on a friend date and it just goes really well and they're just really good friends. Um, And Flash is also there in the same restaurant having dinner with the Spider-Man fan club and he gets a phone call from his mum, but he hangs up because he's having too much fun with his friends because it feels bad like flash gets shit on by his parents i want (laughs) i want some vindication for just a little bit and then the final end credit scene peter is walking to his new job in manhattan he's on the phone to mj explaining they understand he's a superhero sometimes he'll be late but he's really excited because he's on this thing called a zero hours contract and he's really excited about that not quite understanding that it's awful (laughs) Um, And then he bumps into Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock on the street and you get lines about he's not from around here. Peter's spider sense is going crazy. It's really creepy. Venom looks like he's about to come out, but then Eddie manages to control him. But Venom is clearly taking over more. Eddie walks away. Peter says, I have a bad feeling about this, turns around and walks into his internship, which is in the Baxter building.
2: End. And another mic drop post credit scene (laughs) added to the pile um that thank you for your for your pitch Drew. and and for the for the addition of the identity of the boy that gets trampled <laughs> yeah which, and which...
3: and and swapping swapping the the controller of the spider slayers from being spencer to the mother just because i was like oh okay the, i've i've got to subvert something and that seems like a perfectly reasonable subversion so
2: yeah that's fair um so I'll I'll go with the same sort of like leading question uh, as I did with mm-hmm. Andy which is obviously third act conclusion of a trilogy arc like what what do you hope to give fans with this and what do you hope to do to or with Peter Parker's story with this final installment
3: I I wanted to show the the primary objective for me was resolving Peter's identity being revealed and how he decides to accept and how he decides to get on with that and i wanted it to end in a place where like (laughs) obviously we all know how if you've seen the trailer for the new film you know how the mcu is planning on having peter try to deal with that and that is a much more original thought than i would have had myself but for me it felt kind of important for new york as a city to coalesce around Peter a bit and yes there are people who don't like him and there'll be there will be difficulty but to have MJ and Ned and May all say you know what knowing your identity and and people knowing your identity and the risk that it puts on us is worth it because you are you are a net good in the world and just to give Peter that validation and for him to and for him to do all of this without obviously he has a little bit of help from Daredevil, so that you get the message of heroes are important for the city, and just to get Charlie Cox back because God damn it, he needs to be in the MCU. Um, and yeah, that's that was my that was my thinking.
2: That's fair. Um, with how? Uh, wait, find my questions. Um, so obviously, this is this is like a like I say, sort of trilogy closer. Um, I was wondering whether. There was any reason why you didn't decide to like involve any kind of payoff to the homecoming post-credit scene at all, um, with Vulture and and, um, and Mac Gargan. <laughs> yeah, like I wondered, I wondered whether you had considered uh, the Sinister Six route, or what the thinking behind abandoning that like tease from the first film was. There,
3: part of it was because they so thoroughly ignored it in the second film (laughs) that I was, I was a bit like, Oh, you know, they've, they've, they've literally not even mentioned the vulture by name. They
2: don't care about it. Neither do I. Yeah. (laughs) And
3: and it also, I, the sinister six is obviously massively iconic and it's, and if you're going to end a series of Spider-Man films, it is, it's a good way to go. It is an insurmountable threat. Mm -hmm. But I I wanted to make sure that the film was about Peter and without it being three hours long, I don't know how... I'm sure there are screenwriters out there and filmmakers who could do justice to those six big villains and give them all interesting characters and satisfying arcs and all of that stuff. But I, I, I thought about it and I was like, there's no way I can make this work in a spoken word pitch on a podcast and... Frankly, I I remembered the Spider Slayers from the 90s cartoon, and I was like, you know what? Let's have him be chased by three big, scary, insurmountable robots and have him win by having the people who care about him win for him. Yeah, if that makes sense. sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, The only other thing that I really had to ask... um, is I mean I don't I don't doubt that it can be a scene with emotional and dramatic heft to it, but does it feel at all a I don't know what the right word for it would be uh a come down from like a peak of um, expectation for this like final climax uh final confrontation to have sort of Aunt May come in and just essentially talk the baddie down, so the way that i the way i was thinking about it is that
3: the the big fight with peter and matt is is the big action climax okay um and and it would be huge and epic and they they are making steps but it's but they it becomes clear it's not quite enough like the the confrontation with susan smythe is very much the in within the falling action of the screenplay so i i would hope that and it would be a very quick transition of beep 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 oh i've i've used i've i've used my tech that ned was working on with me and i've tracked the signal i'm gonna go and matt says go go and he holds them back for long enough for peter to get away and then like 15 seconds later in movie time he's there and starting that conversation with her okay so it's kind of all the same thing but i understand why it feels separate in the way i delivered it
2: yeah okay okay. that that's a satisfactory explanation um but thank you for your pitch and thank you that leaves us with the honorable gent ross
0: hello my your
2: spidey three
0: my title is called Spider-Man Hit at Home. Spider-Man, with his identity revealed, trouble uh, brings trouble for all the people he loves and the formation of a new group of villains. Oh, I wonder who they could be. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, we open the movie with a classic Spider-Man foiling a crime thing. However, as soon as people see him, he is swamped by fans, enemies, and press. He tries to get back home, but... Also, uh, there are people waiting outside, chanting for justice to be brought to the murderer, Peter Parker. Uh, he and Aunt May have a touching scene about all that has come before, and her realization that he is Spider-Man. Peter uh, urges them to move, but Aunt May says, "Stay strong," and says, "No, this is our home." The next few scenes are a couple of brooding Spider-Man scenes, maybe on top of skyscrapers, <laughs> looking at pictures of <laughs> Tony Stark. Or something, maybe having yeah. <laughs> maybe having a phone call with Hogan, not Hulk Hogan. Uh, we have a nice conversation on the phone with MJ and reveal their love for each other has grown since the last film. Uh, we then get a scene in a prison. We see a familiar face of the vulture. We see he's gone mad with revenge, like... Proper Beetlejuice Michael Keaton (laughs) mad. Um, He is taking, uh, he's talking to his cellmate, wishing he could get revenge uh, on Peter Parker and he would do anything. Uh, Then all of a sudden, a portal appears in his cell. We see Doctor Strange. Vulture is shocked to have, uh, uh, and they have a bit of back and forth. And then Doctor Strange changes his image to that of Vulture. And then again, it's revealed. It's Mephisto, played by Giancarlo. <laughs> yeah, played by Giancarlo Esposito, uh, the baddie from rad. Breaking Bad nice. uh, and Far Cry Six. Um, then we have a hella relevant scene in which we'll set up the fact that Mephisto is going around getting all the superheroes at their lowest to get what he truly wants and what they truly want. I.e., Wanda wants her kids back in exchange for something. He offers the same deal to Vulture. Uh, he will give them the ability to destroy Spider-Man, but in exchange, he wants Spider-Man not to be killed, but to lose everything he's ever loved. Side note, his actual plan is to get Spider-Man solo, he, he himself has to make a deal with Mephisto as well. Anyway, Vulture agrees, uh, but asks for help from more villains. That... Uh, and from villains that have had things taken from them as well, so that they will fight. Mephisto agrees, opens a portal, and steps through. The next portion of the film is Vulture recruiting some new baddies from all across the Sony MCU. Uh, so we have Doc og uh, played by Alfred Molina, Electro, played by Jamie Foxx, Green Goblin, played by Willem Dafoe, Sandman, played by that guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, and lastly, Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And in brackets, I know you're going to say that they're, some of them are dead. Well, they are from an alternate universe in which they were defeated but not killed. So there you go. Uh, flashback <laughs> to Tom Holland's Spider-Man. He's out with MJ swinging around. He has something in his hand, but he's, and he's psyching himself up to show her. But all of a sudden, he has to stop a crime with her in her with, in uh, with her, uh, there, there. Uh, but all of a sudden he has to stop a crime with her. In his arms. Q. Hilarious bad guy stopping scene, <laughs> which he tries to keep her out of harm's way, but also has to stop them. Uh, maybe give her a moment to kick some ass as well. Side note: Maybe we can see seed this marriage thing. It's basically he wants to marry her, uh, and we can concede this maybe uh, with his, you know, friends chatting in a scene before this, or how he's gonna ask her with um, his friends. Um, anyway, he, it gets a quiet moment and he asks her to marry her, him. He asks her to marry him. Uh, she says yes. She gets a call from Aunt May to come help at feast. Uh, he tells her the good news. Uh, He tells Aunt May the good news and she is over the moon. Aunt May also introduces Parker to a young boy named Miles Morales, played by Caleb Reginald McLaughlin, uh, the kid from Stranger Things. Ah. Uh, Miles is bashful and is a bit awkward and he's a huge fan of Spider-Man and doesn't really believe the stuff that they're saying about him. Aunt May says they should all come over for dinner to celebrate the g- great news. Anyway, maybe insert some more scenes of Spider-Man's reputation being shit. Side note: again, um, Parker was absolved by any authority uh, figures that he wasn't involved in the London thing, but the public still think he is involved. Um, anyway, he goes to the mill, and then all of a sudden, he sits down and he is hit. At home. Oh, my God. It's the (laughs) Cynicistic Six. And they're there, and they have a massive fight with Peter. He tries to defend both Aunt May and MJ, and there is a moment where he has to choose who to save. He chooses MJ, and Aunt May is taken away by the group. Um... Peter is left battered and half dead. He comes to, and it's a race to save Aunt May, to an old abandoned factory or something cool, I don't know. Anyway, the final (laughs) bad guy fight with a bad guy speech from the vulture uh, happens, And Peter has his iron Spidey suit, maybe some more gadgets from Hogan that he gave him or something. Uh, Anyway, one uh, by one, he manages to subdue each villain. But the last is a vulture who ends up killing Aunt May before he is defeated himself. Uh, He dies as well. He's dead, dead. Um, Parker is distraught. He wishes he could bring her back. Enter Mephisto, Uh, he manipulates Peter into giving up the love he has for MJ to save Aunt May and for people to forget who he is. He does this, and the memory of MJ fades away. You could do this, maybe, I don't know, MJ turns up or something, I don't know. Uh, And uh, then we have, like, a school scene in where he sees MJ and he feels nothing. And that's the end of the movie, post credit scene, we see a figure breaking into Oscorp. They are in a cat-like outfit with bits of purple in it. He climbs to the roof with what appears to be some stolen goods. He beats some guards up on the roof, and we see the figure clearly now. He removes his mask. It's Donald Glover as the prowler. He picks up the duffel bag of stolen goods, but we see a glimpse of a spider on the bag. End of the movie.
2: <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And there we have the trio of really, really cool post credit <laughs> scenes that yeah. I wish it actually were real. Um, thank you for your pitch, Russ. Yes. My question is first question is the same as my first question was for the other guys which is end of the trilogy Peter Parker for the fans what are we trying to do while we trying to give the people
0: well I want to set up the I want to give them a, a you know the sinister 6 everyone's expecting it and I want I want to give them that and I also want to give the fans a uh, a good fight um uh, the you know that you know you you want to he wants a good big massive fight with these memorable villains and also the ones from the Sony universe. Um, and I also want to give Peter something to, you know, although it goes back in the opposite way, but like I want him to actually feel some loss for a moment. Um, and I also want to set up for a new. You know Mars Morales maybe uh and a spider man uh team up movie after this um and I thought this was a good send off for Tom Holland to fight these villains that, yes, he doesn't know, but we all do, and it'll be a good little send off that's why.
2: I, I yeah I, I i like i like not only the the answer that you gave but also the threatening tone to the end of <laughs> where That's i now am scared you. to ask my second question <laughs> uh, uh, but i do have a second question yes go and i it. will deliver it as threateningly <laughs> so the, the 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 things the things that came up for me uh, uh most of them kind of centre around the characterization of Peter Parker in this film. So yeah. there are three big decisions or suggested things that Peter would do that I'm wondering how you came to those decisions for him. So the first one is right at the start of the film, Peter's like straight away like, I'm gonna leave New York. Like his first like reaction to shit going down with J. Jonah Jameson and like everyone knowing his identity is like Okay, cool. I'm gonna leave. If you want me to leave, I'm 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 gone. So that I found a little bit at odds with Peter Parker as we've known him so far, but also yeah. he chooses to abandon Aunt May for MJ in that like big sort of key scene that will lead into Mephisto's bargain, and yeah. uh, he also it it would appear at least suggestively, that he kills Vulture. So I was uh, wondering what the what the like process of thought behind those I'll, big decisions were. i'll start at the end uh he
0: doesn't <laughs> kill vulture vulture die it kind of like you know the you know william defoe's uh he impales himself on his <laughs> own, yeah yeah, yeah kind of like kind of like that yeah he or i mean we can we can keep him if we want to put him in the next sinister Six. but i thought you know kill him off he's done get rid of him but i don't i i wouldn't pick that peter parker would kill him sorry if that Seemed right. like it so, in my so pitch.
2: We're, so we're saying he beats him up good and proper, but then Vulture, like, I don't know, he tries to fly away and accidentally falls off the roof of a building or something. <laughs> yeah, That's like, a he blow- yeah. old.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, a lightning strikes him or something. <laughs> yeah. Rusty the Clown's heart attack, yeah. yeah. Electro accidentally, like, electrocutes him, <laughs> and he's like,
2: oh! Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll take that one. So then, um, the choice to abandon right. May for MJ.
0: Yeah, so that is. Uh, I just wanted something to like have him like really. Then there needed to be some jeopardy and some stakes of who. I don't know. Like I just pictured it quite. I I, I don't want it to come across like I chose Aunt May instead of you, or I I chose uh, MJ we, instead of you. Are we of kind
2: you. of doing a bit of a dark night here? uh, yeah. uh save, a save, Harvey or Rachel, but. A bit more close to home.
0: Yeah, I. It's hard because yes, you're right. In the beginning of it, I want I want Peter to care about Aunt May and care about his family and people and the people he likes. So he's like, I don't want Aunt May to be around this. So that's why I want her to leave, and that's why I would I will sacrifice like the the soup uh, like you know where our, our neighborhood is uh, and where our home is. But yes, like so maybe. There's there's something to work on in that scene where he uh has to pick, not pick like as in like he's got a gun to our May's head and thingy. It's just, um, I don't know. Yeah, it it's a hard one, and I haven't got really an answer. But I I definitely want the beginning of the thing to have Peter worry he, more about his it definitely, consequences.
2: It felt it felt listening to the pitch. It felt like you you had the question there as, like, the pivotal point. Like, the question of, who does he save? Yeah. And then it seems a little bit like you might have been reluctant to answer the question until you had to. And yeah. then it was like, once you commit to one, you have to then, obviously, see it through till the end. Yeah. So I yeah. can understand you, you put yourself in a predicament. Yes. Um, the only other thing that I I would, uh, to, to pick a net while we're here is... The idea of Mephisto's deal with the Vulture being that he will let the Vulture destroy Spider-Man, but not kill Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, because he wants, he knows he wants, he basically wants all the bargains, yeah? He's like a, he's like an old woman at a charity shop, yeah? He wants all those bargains, <laughs> and so he's, he's like, oh, I'll get a bargain off of Spider-Man, I'll get, because he's really powerful, like, Spider-Man's powerful, so that's why he's like, I don't want you to kill him, um, you know, uh, you know, in the, in that bit, maybe, you know, Vulture was going to kill him, and he was actually going to be like, yeah, I'm actually going to kill you. Uh, fuck Mephisto, and then you know maybe he doesn't realise. But then yeah, that's what I think. You know maybe we can change that to Mephisto kills him. Who knows? What the fuck? Whatever.
1: we <laughs> okay. Bringing the well. pitch, not the script. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's. I feel like that needs to be a T-shirt at some point. Yeah. I write the pitch, yeah. not the Eventually. script. Um, but well, I mean, all all three all three of the pitches have a lot to to mull over and consider. But I suppose. Uh, as as guest host slash judge thing, uh, I now get to do the I get to do the real fun thing where I I tell the three of you to have at it and convince <laughs> me why I should pick your pitch and also why you hate each other so much <laughs> that you want to destroy each other's pitches. So um, if we, do you know what actually? Uh, I'll play with the format. Why not? I've got a little bit of power here. <laughs> and I will say we'll go in reverse order for the for the defenses and and like interrogations of each other. And I oh, would yeah. say uh Ross, if you go first, why why should I, I think... pick your pitch? What does it offer? And why shouldn't I be picking the other guys? I think I
0: bring you You know what the fans want, the Sinister Six, I bring in the the wider Sony MCU. The stakes are high. The charity, it, the charity shops. There's bargains in there for you to grab, like Mephisto. You shouldn't pick Drews because Drews is very low stake. It, it would be a very good Netflix Marvel film. It, it's not. It's not that ent- exciting as mine. And Andy's is just too bloated. Like a man who's filled a burrito to the brim. He's got so much stuff <laughs> in there. You never turn down that, a bloated burrito, like the, come the, like, on. Like
3: the old lady's plastic bag in the charity
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's full to the brim of, of charity <laughs> uh, goods. Yeah. Um, and they they, uh, And you know, I just think that and he's just trying to do too much with the small amount of film time that he's got with all the I admire him trying to bring in new characters playing these like people that we know but I think that it's too it it's just one film. If he could do this over like three films, then maybe. But this is only gonna. This is only one film, and I think it's too bloated in that sense. You're just like, oh shit, it's John Cusack. Cres- oh fuck me, it's someone else. Oh god, it's bloody um, fucking um, whatever his name is. Um, so yeah, I think that's why you should pick mine. Go ahead, make my day. Yeah, Drew and and Dr- and Andy. Yeah. So
2: yeah, to to continue. Before I move on to Drew's rebuttal, um, one thing that I would ask, because I feel like it might be relevant, uh, cause even though you're pitching and not scripting, I think it's relevant. How long are you thinking that this film will be? Are we going like endgame three hours? Are we going like straight two hours? How how long are your films?
0: Mine's a two hour, I think. Yeah, two mine, hour. mine's two.
2: Okay. Mine Yeah. Yours mine. is
1: definitely not a two hour movie. Mine too. Mine's got some long par- paragraphs, but like Jesus, not those... a lot actually happens in them. So. <laughs> those
0: scenes will be so quick. Hi, I'm John Caruso. I'm I'm Fantastic Four. Okay, we gotta go this way. Okay, we gotta fight this guy. Okay, come on. <laughs> Alright, two fifteen. I'll push two fifteen.
2: <laughs> and Drew, how long's how long's your, your Spider Man looking?
3: I'm I would I would be looking at it being reasonably tight, like a one forty-five to two hours tops. Okay, okay,
1: cool. The thing is, I up on an as well. Like for me, time doesn't matter. I loved Endgame, and it didn't feel like three hours. So if mine turns out to be three hours, then it won't it won't feel like three hours. So. Okay, it definitely <laughs> won't be two and a half at the max. But I'll let you're fine. like
0: oh uh, well, mine's not going to feel like three yeah. hours. <laughs> uh, it's all know, in the script. Most... He said
1: it's going to come in the <laughs> script. So yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, Jordan's okay. like, oh,
0: well, if you said it, it's not going to feel like three hours, you can make it eight hours if you want. Yeah, I'm going to make... Oh, Mine doesn't want- even feel like you watched a movie. There you go. I want you
2: to get all the way off of my back about how long... Movie- <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me get off of that thing. <laughs> uh, right, well, now that now that we've handled that diversion, um, <laughs> Drew, why should I pick you? Why should I be cursing Russ and Andy's good names? so i i feel like i think of all three mine
3: had the most opportunities and i i outright mentioned the most kind of funny things and yeah it wasn't that many but i did bring that out ross had one hilarious fight scene with a wedding ring and andy i don't i didn't really pick up any comedy and i think it's it's been a really important part of these films so far, and I don't think it should completely go away. Despite all three of these having a darker tone running through all three, I think that mine, mine kind of takes the ending of the previous movie and builds on it more than the other two. <laughs> like I, I didn't want this to be going in on the negatives of the others, but and Andy's felt like the Doc Ock, Cool Venom, Fantastic Four, and X Men show rather than Peter's movie. Like Peter barely seemed to be a character until he showed up at the end and helped John Krasinski get his wife and his, and his mates to go and have a fight. I I thought Andy's Kane Venom idea was super, super cool. Uh, Andy's felt more like a comic book arc than a movie to me. Um, with Ross's, I think bringing in Mephisto is cool and having the Sinister Six and using those characters, Like he's definitely thought of a way to do it, but it felt... Quite thin. It didn't feel like all that much actually necessarily happened, and like what happened to the rest of the scene. Vulture died. What happened to the rest of the six? They just kind of fizzled out. And Mephisto showing up. It both of both of these other two felt like advertisements for the wider MCU. Maybe as much or more than they were Spider Man movies. Where mine was a Spider Man movie that had a a connection in the post credit scene and that's generally how they do it and i feel like that is a strength i feel like these films should be able to stand on their own two feet primarily on
0: netflix yeah on netflix
3: <laughs> that's where they that's where yours stand look look if you're gonna if you're gonna have a go at me for bringing in the like highest rated marvel character in live action in charlie cox <laughs> and like the most beloved villain that's been on screen in Wilson Fisk, then come at me. Where, bro. <laughs> where,
0: where? Which uh, season does your dare? Where does Daredevil come into in in terms of the Netflix uh, After timeline? Three. Uh, isn't Wilson Fisk is already in prison in season three? Isn't he? Say, say, get sorry. I lost you for a sec. I thought Wilson Fisk is already in prison in season three. Uh, it, at the end it, of season three, yeah, he got. Yeah, he got, he makes the bargain
3: to go to prison to okay. protect Vanessa. So he, yeah, Wilson does it all from prison. He like he's he's barely going to be on screen in this film. He's a presence. He's mentioned, and it's there to hopefully set up a, a, an actual Daredevil movie in the MCU. Like he's he's the shadowy presence. Yeah, that's that's me.
1: Okay. Uh, so let's go, let's go. So Ross mentioned there's a lot of characters. Yeah, I love world building. That's what I want. I want more characters in. What I did. What I actually, if you notice. Yeah, like the Sinister Six come in and stuff, but we we met we a lot of the attention's focused on Doc Ock, that's the why only, only reason why he's cast. And we meet the Fantastic Three a lot later on, and it's you know, we basically know these characters, so we don't need much of a backstory. The history between why them and like Reed aren't talking could be explained in another film. Uh comedy <laughs> I think comes from characters in these films, not situations. So we could still have like uh MJ be dark and stuff and Spider Man still be quippy. Uh, and yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of Spider Man in mind. I think it's just those like big paragraphs which I mentioned, where like Kane uh, mutates and finally becomes Venom and stuff, and then Doc Ock um, uh, like builds his bomb and stuff like that. There was those were big par- uh, paragraphs on the page and stuff, but they won't actually uh, f- like take up too much time.
0: But yours, your Kane feels more it feels more of a Kane movie for Kane than it does for Tom Holland's Spider Man.
1: Yeah, but we're learning more about Kane, that's why. We already know, basically, a lot about Spider-Man at the moment. You're like, all right, so let's start with, I'll start with Ross, and if he's coming at me, I'll come at you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like talking about villains taking, <laughs> the villains taking uh, over the film. He has his own like, side quest and comes up with his own sinister sticks. Why does he need help? Because he's not powerful enough to do it on his own, and he knows that he's not a very good villain. If he's like, "Oh, I'm not that powerful,"
0: well, villains have flaws, mate. You know, <laughs> he's
1: got uh, self-confidence he's issues. Self-confidence, yeah. Self-aware. He's like, "Oh, I'm all right." So if Mephisto, would Mephisto just be like, "Oh, I'll go to someone better," then?
0: Nah, because he wants to manipulate people, bruv. Yeah, he wants I... to get people at their lowest.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing. Uh, about, Vulture why, why is at his lowest. So if Vulture was like, "Yeah, I well, will take this bet on," and he's like, "Oh, you can't kill him," and Vulture's like, "Oh, okay, I'll still do it." No,
0: no, no. He he was like uh, he's always a master of getting what he wants. He said, "What vulture? You can no, no, Mephisto." <laughs> uh-huh. He said, "You can do this, but you won't. You can't kill him." And he's like, "Okay, fine." You know, yeah. But why is the... he
1: why is he fine with that? He's a villain. Shouldn't he be like, "Well, no. If you give me because... power, I want to kill him."
0: Because, in the back of his mind, he's going, yes, I'm going to say yes, but I'm actually going to kill Spider-Man, oh, okay. and I don't give a shit what he says. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. You yeah. didn't, mention, didn't mention that. Right. Yeah, um, well, I did now. Did you I Did, did you
1: say these 16-year-olds are going to get married? Huh? Did you say these 16-year-olds are going to get married? Well,
0: they're not sixteen in the fi- they're not sixteen in the in the film, are they? How old are they in the film? Um, they're like
1: yeah, in the school, mate. Bit, they're like they around. there. Bit, hey, Romeo and Juliet did it, 16. yeah. Oh, I mean, Romeo and Juliet we, I know We know in love so. all that lot. It's just a bit like they skipped like you know a lot of a relationship just to go suddenly unmarried. Where did get the money as well to buy a ring? Um, hey, got
2: it from his dead. Nah, not something I don't know. Can I, can I just, can I, can I just throw out there that uh, I got engaged when I was seventeen?
0: Oh, thank Yay. you, Jordan. Right.
2: Thank you. Know, know your audience, and <laughs> yeah. also, It doesn't they're getting?
0: It doesn't mean they're getting married literally as they're sixteen. They could like be engaged for like yeah, three years. Yeah, I get years. that. It's just
1: a big, it's a big thing. Um, again, money, money. Where do you get the money for the, uh, for the ring? <laughs> Uh, I also I've kind of got a problem as well with this Mephisto choosing thing like is he literally is it like three villains are holding MJ and three are holding and he literally has to choose because then you're like he's left for dead at the end no uh, he gets
0: beaten up and then there's a fight and so how does he I was I was seeing it as like they
3: were both being dragged away it wasn't I, uh, why am I helping? Ross? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. The game both drags away.
0: Up. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> also, Ross is just
1: a bit broody. Let's move on to Drew. Um, <laughs> Drew, I think with the and it kind of works with uh, Ross, but more with Drew. The we had such a big build up. We talked about it in 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 the review. Had such a big build up of the film with this twist that everyone kind of knows Pete's identity and what's going to happen. And it just felt like a yeah. little bit of a letdown that it like the he gets let off of all like the. Uh, he gets qu- let off of crimes the crimes. He gets let off of the crimes, but the
3: ramifications of everyone knowing his mm. identity and of the people close to him echo through the entire
1: movie. To have to have the identity out there, I don't know if I was like to me. I don't know. it was like just a, a bit of a let down. Well, how does it, how does it drive yours? Hmm? how how does it affect
3: yours at all oh he, he 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 does something at the beginning of the film for five minutes and then goes through a rift into another world yeah and, and just deals with their problems right. for two and a half hours and then pops back and xavier's there from another world you you've not addressed his world in any way at all yeah
2: um
1: <laughs> this is getting
2: steamy yeah <laughs>
1: as well my next is you said like peter gets is struggling halfway through and that reflects his relationships why is he struggling
3: uh because he's being constantly harassed and hounded he's trying to be a a student and a hero but there are people like there's paparazzi there's people harassing him and his friends and family constantly and it takes a mental toll on him
2: well things got rather heated there in the in the (laughs) the debating section um, it's safe to say that everyone feels very passionately about uh, Spider-Man and the characters' connections or lack of connections, or the ability for people to feel emotions that uh, spur of the moment. <laughs> um, but what I would what I would say is first and foremost, like, and it sounds like a really cop outy thing to say, but genuinely, I really did enjoy all three pitches, and I think what I mm. Like as I've sort of been jotting notes down whilst you've been reading them out and stuff, like what I really enjoy is like each of you have honed in on something specific that I think is like intrinsic to the essence of like Spider-Man in cinema. So like I think that with Andy, you've completely nailed the sense of spectacle that that you can get with Spider-Man at his best. So you introduce a lot of um, a lot of figures into this film with the Sinister Six and with Fantastic Four, like. You're, you're spinning a lot of plates, but what I found myself doing was maybe forgiving some logistical flaws or, like, things where I thought there's too much going on here because I was along for the ride of it. The adrenaline driving everything forwards was making me go, like, if I was watching this on screen, it would be like an unending sugar rush for two hours or three hours that feels like two Eight hours, hours or, or a 12 <laughs> hour film that feels like an hour film. I don't know what time <laughs> is anymore. Um, I do, I do think that there, there is, there is a genuine problem with, the amount that you're trying to juggle, I think that there's definitely elements that you maybe pare back <coughs> uh, in a, in an actual... Well, yeah, exactly. And I think Endgame is, is an example of uh, a film that's having its cake and eating it. And whilst you enjoy eating the cake until it's all gone, you can also feel a little bit sick afterwards and go, I really enjoyed that, but wow, I'm never going to eat cake again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did, I did genuinely, I thought that the sense of spectacle was... Um, I don't know, I was excited to listen to the idea of it and the enthusiasm driving it um, just made it really entertaining to listen to. I think what Drew has honed in on um, really well is the sentimentality of Spider-Man and getting back to like core values of the character. So this sort of like interrogation of the idea of responsibility and like the, the dichotomy between Peter Parker being a kid that's just trying to have a life and also being this superhero that has the responsibility for his whole city. I think that you go into territory that would be for the Marvel universe. It would be quite different dealing with like sort of a grieving mother and like this sort of connection beyond the situation in front of them. I think that can play out in a very emotionally satisfying way. I think that Andy maybe has a point that it could feel a little bit too coincidental, like fortuitous timing wise but at the same time I just yeah, think that's fair. but I do but I do think at the same time though that like the emotion and like the emotional heft of that wouldn't be lost on viewers and I think it would definitely be like vintage, tear jerking Spider-Man moment, you know, sort of like Gwen Stacy's speech in Amazing Spider-Man, which I still find very emotional, or it would be Peter telling MJ that they can never actually be together even though they love each other in the Raimi trilogy. So I think, yeah, the sentimentality. And I think what I really liked with Ross's is that I I think that as we were saying about Far From Home, that it was less than the sum of its parts. I think the... This isn't going to make sense, but it makes sense to me. I think the parts in Ross's are more than the sum of its parts. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that what you've got here is like you've got scenes for days. Like you've got so many cool ideas for scenes that are just like this is what Spider-Man fans would love to see. Like the idea of like these brooding scenes early on of Peter like, you know, just find a skyscraper, tallest one you can get, have him looking sad and moody, (laughs) and people are gonna eat that shit up and enjoy it. And like having the the things like MJ and Peter in this like comedy, like rom com ish battle with the baddies. And also, like, introducing, like, Miles Morales, giving payoff to that Donald Glover appearance in Spider-Man Homecoming, I think that mm. you've got so many scenes there that would be, like, as a fan, you'd be sat in a cinema and you'd be there going, ah, oh, that's so cool. You'd come out of it and you'd watch one of those YouTube videos of, like, top ten Spider-Man moments, and, like, yeah. you'd have four or five on that list from one film. <laughs> like, as a, as a as a cohesive narrative, perhaps there are flaws there. And especially with Mephisto's implementation, I think the bringing Mephisto in was a better idea than the like way that he went about his work, trying to get all of these deals done. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I, to sort of summarize, I think Andy nailed the spectacle, Drew's nailing the sentiment and Ross, as I say, has got scenes for days. Um, and I think, <laughs> do you know what, actually sort of, uh, to come to a decision because i have to which is a pain when i genuinely really love all three of them for very different reasons i think i think that i would i would have to i would have to not say here we go i would have to not <laughs> say andy's because i'm and purely for the fact of i think endgame did such a epic you know like 3 hour blockbuster that didn't feel like 3 hours it gave you cake you ate it, all of that stuff did it so well and like i really enjoyed that but i think that it would just feel like reaching another peak too soon possibly for for the mcu so it's, it's um, too good is what you're saying it might be too good <laughs> but i mean to be honest that is essentially it it's it's too it's too epic too soon after something so epic and it might just feel like overkill i can imagine that people might come out of it and be there like Wow, that was really epic. I don't think I want to watch a superhero film for like twenty years now because this has just ended it for me. And I mean that in a positive way overwhelmingly. Um and then it comes it comes down it comes down to Drew and Ross and like the the heartfelt nature of, of Drew's and Ross's just brilliant Spider-Man moments. And I the thing is I'm a soppy git, so I can't deny the truth of who I am. And I'd I'd have to go with druid And it's it's by a hair, but I just think that the emotional weight of the payoff at the end of this, I think as a way of tying together all three films that or like the first two films, giving it a third act that feels like it brings it all home. Um, I think it I think it just edged it. But honestly. They're all brilliant ideas, and I was I was Edith, very fortunate fire all to get the drones. it was a, it was a very <laughs> I was very fortunate to have a front row seat to to hearing them. coming so, yeah. soon. Oh, thanks, man.
0: Netflix. Drew's yeah. pitch.
2: Aunt May saves
1: the day. <laughs> I'm joking. Well Jesus done. Christ. Well done, Drew. Well done, Drew. Well, done, Drew. well yeah, done. thanks, guys. I wanted to say, uh, it for Ross, mate, your Mephisto like bargain shit. Like, I I was worried about that because that's a fucking great <laughs> turn. I was I was so gonna I was nearly gonna use that in mine and stuff, and then you did it. You did it quite well. <laughs> um, no, well,
3: yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I agree with Jordan. Like, Andy's. I I was absolutely like, hey, if if Andy's tickles tickles Jordan's biscuits, and he's like all in. It's this just too the good. Fantastic he said it was four, too good.
1: Him. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, but I'll take that. Like, I, guess. I
3: could, I could, I could absolutely see it going anyway. But thank you very much. Next time, I think we should all sit down and watch the Matrix Revolutions and pitch our sequels. <laughs> oh my oh, god! Yes. Before the next Matrix Whoa. movie comes out, just after Christmas.
2: Nice. Good luck with that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very up
0: for that. Uh, well done, Drew. Thank you Thank so you. much, Jordan, for coming on yeah. for Thank a you, third Jordan. time.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We'll see you very soon, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So. All that's left is to say goodbye, because uh, it's been a bumper episode this one. <laughs> um, uh, so it's goodbye from Andy. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me, as uh, goodbye from our special guest co-host Jordan. Goodbye. And on this week's winner. Drew Toynbee goodbye everyone ladies and gentlemen boys and girls please give us a review on iTunes that would really help us out five stars please all across the board five (laughs) stars it was five stars Um, uh, you can reach us on all our social medias (laughs) Facebook Instagram Twitter shout us out who do you think should have won today obviously me Uh, give us a shout anyway bye. bye 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 Hey.